0: Hey everyone, it's uh, me, Fola Ullakumbi. Um, So, I'm kind of just doing this main, well, three things really First thing is, I'm doing this because I like doing these chats and I like talking to you guys one on one, or one on uh, three Um, and uh, also because we've been away for a while and yeah, I kind of guess I should ex- well, I don't need to explain, but basically I moved so um, we haven't really had time to do the podcast so that's been a bit of a pain but we're back now so we should be semi-regular um and also just one one thing seeing as i'm here um in this podcast we sort of we talk about this thing called object r uh, and we go through lots of different things and i think it's really good like we, we we don't know what we're talking about and we're all over the place with it but um i think the core idea is kind of we're kind of right on that and um, one thing that did come up, and you know, to Helen's credit, she always does this. She'll sort of drop something in, and I'll sort of gloss over it, and then I'll go back, go away, and think about it, and be like, "Man, that was really smart what she said." Um, she mentions the fact that Don through this episode doesn't really do anything, and she was asking at the beginning of the episode um, why he doesn't pick up, like why he doesn't get the car, like what is what is it about. What are they Well, the way I interpret it was like, what she, what is it about the episode? What is the episode trying to say by Don not getting the car? And it's kind of obvious that he doesn't feel like he's earned it, but they show us he doesn't feel like, why he doesn't feel like he's earned it, because he doesn't do anything, <laughs> and he knows that in his mind. And I think that kind of plays into the episode. But we talk about all that kind of stuff and more, so um, sit back and relax and enjoy the next episode of The Old Fashioned Breakdown. Take it away, David Cabanara.
1: To the Old Fashioned Breakdown podcast, a rewatch podcast for the valuable TV show
0: Mad Men. Uh, my name is Paul Owakumbi, and I've seen the show a couple of times and look at it mainly from a subtextual point of view. I actually
1: just read that as a sexual point of view, that's really <laughs> weird. Um, I'm Helen Varley, <laughs> and this is pretty much my first watch through, so it's, uh, it's all new to me.
0: In this episode, The Gold Violin, uh, Don continues to better himself is he's confronted with the cost of his progression. Sal indulges his fantasies of an impossible life through Ken's work of fiction. And Jen up, Jane upsets the natural order of Joan and proves that age before beauty, pearls before swine. I didn't write this one, by the way.
1: You can tell I've just added a little bit of flair There's to it. There is a bit it. of flair there. Normally, if, if it was Fola, it would have been something like Don buys a new car, <laughs> Sal has dinner with his fake wife,
0: <laughs> and
1: Jane gets a new pair of shoes. That's probably what you would have written, I, I something like that. I
0: don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> oh. All right,
1: well, let's begin. What okay. did you think of the gold violin?
0: So the gold violin, so first of all, the first thing I want to say about this episode is, this is, like, I, so I started watching the show pretty much from the start, as soon as it was on TV, right? but this is the first episode where i was like ooh something going on i don't know what it what? is what it's I, I, genuinely i was the first this is the first episode where I, I kind of paid attention to it and the whole thing with the picture just kind of hit me i was like oh there's something more going on behind
1: it, Do you mean on the first time you watch yeah, this? The first time okay, I watched this? Okay, fine. It, yeah, yeah. I was like, you like deconstruct every episode. Like, how is this the first time that you realize?
0: No, the first time I watched it, the first time I was, okay. I was into it, I was like, fine. wow, this is really interesting. But I never really looked at it deeper than that. Even the second time I watched it, I never really sort of thought about it. I just kind of thought that's deep. I don't know what it means.
1: So this is like the gold violin moment for you. Yes, it is. It nice. is like the gold violin
0: moment. I like moment. that. <laughs> so yeah, I really, really like it. Um what, what what do you want me to say? Do you want me to go into like what I thought about the episode or I
1: guess so, yeah. Let's let's a uh, general generic thoughts.
0: Okay, so generic thoughts. Um, like I said, I love the episode. I th- it's probably my favourite episode of all of them what the whole thing yeah well, the whole thing just because no of the way. sentimental value of it all even better than Indian Summer even better than Indian Summer yeah. <laughs> um, because I think this is the show I think this is what the show is basically I think this touches on all those things that we talked about before like you know um, uh, object art and um, um, what you should do and what you shouldn't do and, and um, um, pleasure versus enjoyment and all that kind of stuff and I think it's all in this episode Um, And I think it does it in a really kind of, it's, there's definitely really sort of Lacanian things in there, um, but they're so deep that I I can't even get into them myself. There's one where I'm kind of like, I don't even know if I should talk about this because it sounds too weird. Um, But yeah, I I love this episode. I think it's fantastic. I think it's about objects. Okay. (laughs) What did you think?
1: I enjoyed this episode. Yeah. I did like all the different storylines. I had a particular favorite with Jane and Joan—the sh- the ultimate showdown. <laughs> <was> um, <laughs> I thought it was really good and really interesting. Right. Um, I think it—it it, again, it's another episode for me where I felt it was pretty much what it said on the tin. Right. And I also think with this one, there are a number of like. Unanswered questions. Now, I'm not necessarily saying that every episode needs to tie up each storyline with a nice little bow. Yeah. But I do think there's quite a few things which I will talk about when we come to them. Okay. Where I th- I just feel like, why was that started but not finished? Okay. Interesting. Kind of thing. Interesting. Um. But overall, you know, I think it was a solid episode, uh, and I enjoyed it a lot. And I think, yeah, some of the some of the um cinematography and like editorial decisions are really good in terms of like backing up i think what you're going to say in a far more intellectual way than i am going to say i
0: don't know about that um i just want to before we go on i'm going to list out all the things that i think this episode's about oh geez let me just get it out of the way if anyone's just kind of like trying to get the crib notes so i think this this episode is about objects fantasy youth disposability Object R versus the object of desire. That's a big one. Uh, Enjoyment versus pleasure. Outsiders and insiders. Excess. Um, Work and putting in effort. Um, And there's definitely a theme of like people getting things wrong. People get a lot of things wrong in here and they're really subtle. Um... Oh yeah, and I, I, the synecdoche in there. Do you know what a synecdoche is? No. A synecdoche is like a small part of something that makes up that you can that you name that essentially is the whole of the thing. So it's really hard to describe, but like something like. Um,
1: so like a tree is a trunk, leaves, branches.
0: No, no. So it's more kind of. Um, a black tie there that's that's what i was that's what i was looking for i knew those was a black tie so like a black tie um wear your wear your best black tie outfit that's basically a suit and because it's like because you're only talking the, the synecdoche is the tie uh, so stuff like that so there's a lot of synecdoches in here fine um, okay and validation that's a good one and i also need to revisit that all that whole idea of Lacan saying women don't exist.
1: Well guys, if you have a spare four hours, we will still be here as we go through Fola's tremendous list of things that happen in this episode. Yep. Shall we get started Let's on get started. the episode breakdown? Yes. Um so I think the first storyline we are going to discuss today is Don.
0: Okay, Don, yeah.
1: Okay, so I wrote Don continues to better himself in quotation marks but is confronted with the cost of his progression, also in quotation marks. What do you think of my analysis?
0: So you think he's adult and so you're saying he is he's trying to better himself. What
1: I mean by that is it's a bit like, is that whole conversation that's you know, the the Sterling and Cooper conversation with Don where it's that whole thing where they're like, Right, you've got to look the part now, you've gotta have the car, yep. you've gotta be at the balls, you're a philanthrop I can never say that word. Philanthropist. <laughs> yeah. Um, you've all these things, you've gotta start acting the part and, you know, not taking shit and doing you know, that's kind of <coughs> excuse me. That was awful. Coughed <laughs> all over the microphone. Um uh, and what I mean by that is I think there has always been a little bit of Don where he sort of doesn't believe that he deserves that.
0: Yep, yep, yep. So
1: he, when I say he continues to try and better himself, what I mean is by bettering himself to be at the level that Sterling and Cooper are as individuals. Do
0: you mean sort of like accept his... Reward status, yeah, expectancy. yeah, like yeah, to, yeah. to
1: better himself the same way that you'd be like, Oh, I want to be. No one says, Oh, I want to be like an office worker at a company, they're like, I want to be the CEO. Yeah. this is done, in my opinion, like going right, actually, I do deserve these things, and I am going to behave in this way, I'm going to drop a whole load of money on a car I don't need. Yeah. um, and this is and and. An, I think what I mean next when I say he's confronted with the the cost of progression is that he doesn't realise the price that he's paid for those, the price that he pays for those things and and the actual impact of them. Because, I think yes, there's already a part of him. That's why I said he continues to do it, because I think there is a part of him that already believes that he's entitled in many ways. Mm -hmm. But I think he's never seen himself as being almost equal to...
0: Yeah, so, okay, so just one question when you say he the, the cost like what do you mean like what's what's what do you say what do you think
1: well the cost is he is has to confront himself with the idea which i think he has started to in previous episodes that he's an absolute asshole <laughs> and i think you know with this it's it's becoming more and more clear to him because Previously, I think he's see- he's looked in the mirror and seen himself as an asshole. Mm. But I think in this episode, it's the first time anyone else has confronted him and said yeah. you're an asshole. Oh, that's
0: good. Yes, very good point. That's a very good. In and fact, th- he's literally looking in the mirror just before someone says it. to so... him. Absolutely. Um, so I think this. I think the whole episode, like I said, I think it's about objects and stuff. And objects are kind of quite an uh, important thing, as far as Lacan's concerned. He has this um this thing called the object r which i think we've spoken about before yeah it's kind of hard to describe but then there's also another object which is the object of desire
2: mm-hmm. and that's
0: kind of and they're the, the two kind of things that kind of work like, well they kind of work against each other and with each other so the object of desire there's a lot of those in this episode loads and loads and loads of them one of them is the car obviously yeah um then we've got like keys we've got um we've got ken's story we've got jane (laughs) we've got don we've got like tuxedos checks all these kind of things they're all like objects of desire they're Mm -hmm. all things that people can kind of um look towards to obtaining and sort of grasping in their hands or whatever yeah and through that because you sort of like fix this thing in your mind or this thing in your this thing as the object of desire um in, in in obtaining that thing, you have to live life. You have to go through certain things to get it. And the things that you go through, the the actual interactions, the relationships you make, all that kind of stuff, that's what object R is. Does that make sense? Sort of. So all the way through this episode, you've got loads of situations where somebody is trying to do something or some someone's trying to obtain something or sort of understand something or see something. Like, you know Don sort of Don's worked his entire life Don's life is basically object art so that, that, the whole point that, you know that whole speech that um, uh, Cooper gives to Don there's loads of things going on in that speech but one of the things is he's talking about how Don's kind of done all this work and how he's kind of like worked his way up to mm. this point and he's talking about the object that's his life That's what he, that's what he's done to get there and the thing that he's obtained is access to this world sort of into this kind of this private world where you know you you do philanthropy and you you sort of you're creating the rules and you know you can drive the fastest cars and all that kind of stuff and it's kind of that's a small part of it and um, there's other things in there um in that in that scene that that are really cool like this is that's the that's where the first time I noticed him talk about the um uh the, what's it called the um um synecdoche
2: Hmm.
0: because you know i said like a synecdoche is like a suit uh, yeah a a black tie well another synecdoche would be sterling cooper because sterling cooper are the people that own the building but they're also they sterling cooper are people within the building but they're also the company itself yeah so so there's stuff like that and that comes up later on as well in another storyline but i'll talk about that later um Sorry, I, so should we start? Should
1: we start with the car scenes then? Yeah, let's start. Let's with start with the car scenes. Um, I liked it. Nice opener. Nice <laughs> little opener, having a look at a car. Yeah. Um, my main question yeah, with the on. car scenes. I mean, there's some nice lines in there where he's, you know, at the beginning where he's the, with the car showman. Yeah. My main question with the, with the car scenes was, the flashback. Yeah because the flashback i thought was really weird
2: <laughs>
1: because first of all it's sort of like i get why it happened right mm-hmm. i get why they put that flashback in there because the the guy has just said something to him that sounds really fake and what does he say have you written it down
0: anywhere it says
1: something like oh this you know you'd be driving this car and i don't know i can't remember what it is but it's like something like it's really cheesy typical car salesman Salesman, line okay and then he goes into his flashback um and then it's that whole thing of obviously it's it's one of the real drapers checking in to see who is pretending to be don draper
0: yeah yeah and yeah. then they
1: never finish it
2: <laughs> and then you're just
1: a bit like and then you see the car scene again later on when he goes to get the car and he's already sat in the car and he's yeah. like i'll take it i don't even need to test drive it i'll take it um and then i'm like that's a perfect time
0: <laughs> to, to, finish to finish that the... little knot okay and I, they don't i think that's because i don't think this the point of that scene was to tell you anything it was just there to give you a sense of how Don feels about himself. And I think, I think the whole point of that scene is, you know, we're talking about this idea of one of the, it's also one of the things I didn't write down. Um, you know this thing of the, you know, the phallus. <laughs> I know
1: the
0: phallus. <laughs> right. And the thing about the phallus is it's, it's this kind of, it's another, it's like it's, it is a, it's an object of desire in itself, right? But it's hidden behind this veil and you're not as a as a person as people we don't want to we know it's there and we know we can grab it if we want but (laughs) (laughs) I mean really you (laughs) shouldn't to get through this without permission (laughs) we know it's there we know you can grab it if you want but you don't want to because in your mind it's not going to you know deep down it's not going to change anything and that's the whole thing about this um, this object of desire the object of desire isn't that special it's just it's almost like it's a it's a it's a symbol of of making it but it doesn't actually mean it's a status symbol it's yeah it's a status symbol it doesn't really mean anything it doesn't have any value of itself the only value it has is the value that you give to it so don not wanting to take this car you see him flash back to his kind of old old life where he was kind of selling things to people and this woman reminding him that he's not who he says he is and it's kind of like a massive jolting thing. I'm like, and he just, he doesn't feel like he deserves it. He doesn't feel like he's done the work for it. Um, and then it takes, well. <laughs> I mean, I don't
1: know. Like how qualified do you have to be to be a second heart? Exactly. And car dealer or whatever. Like, I don't know. It's it, But that's what I mean. That's why it's weird. Like, because he's trying to convince this kid in the flashback to draw, to buy this car. Hmm. And he's got his, like, dodgy little suit on. Young young John Hamm, lovely, you know. And it's like, this woman, woman comes in, and it's a huge dramatic moment where, she, where she's like, you're not Don Draper. Yep,
0: yep. There's, can I just say, there's something that no one's going to understand, but there's a, there's a, there's a, there's a almost like a, an algebraic sort of, um, a mathematic equation, right? And the mathematic equation is, and I haven't read, I haven't, I had a, actually, I do have a, screenshot of this but there's a mathematical equation that Lacan made and it's called and it, it basically says barred subject um diamond shaped A right and it's kind of, it's basically fantasy and it's it's kind of how fantasy works I can't really explain it but there's a shot that shows this exact kind of like thing in and you know when you see Don sitting at the window yeah and he looks out of the window and he sees this woman turn up um well there's a barred s on the window and then there's like a diamond shape in between it and then this woman standing there and i know what that woman's name is
1: oh okay is she in it later or is she um
0: maybe i, I can't i can't okay. i can't i can't say i mean knowing
1: you it's probably betty or peggy so <laughs>
0: um but yeah it's just really clever um that's with anyone who knows what who Lacan is um who's listening um but yeah I, I just think that that first opening scene is just really really interesting just seeing don not being able to pick up the car some of the things that the guy says to him are kind of interesting as well because it's like it's it's almost like this guy you know i was watching the the, the dvd and and um matthew weiner says he wanted that guy the salesman to be like almost like a a Mephisto type character that's just kind of appeared out of nowhere and mm. is kind of like offering him these things but Don doesn't want to take them yeah it's really cool
1: so why So why do you, do you think he doesn't take them because he doesn't feel he doesn't feel like, worthy he doesn't feel worthy of no, it no he
0: doesn't feel worthy at all he doesn't feel like anybody he doesn't he's not the person he says is that's why it flashes back to him to this um, lady telling him you're not Don Draper and he's kind of like he looks at the car and he's like, I, I can't take this car. I don't deserve it. I'm not who I say I am. That's why I think anyway.
1: I don't know. I mean, I don't know. Like I say, I think that, for me, that flashback was just kind of weird. But <laughs> I get it. I get what you're saying. And I get that that's the principle of the... I mean, I, I didn't know whether it was f- because he had money or a family or like, I don't know what it was. I, I just kind of got the impression. I mean, if, if it was me, I'd be like... Mm. It's quite expensive, <laughs> but obviously he doesn't say that because he's Don Draper, so, no. you know. But I think the fact that he's there, because he's only clearly gone there as well because um Roger has sent him, like, that's the only reason he's even there in the first yeah, place, yeah, 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 yeah. is that Roger's well, gone to tell him to not, go and get your car sorted out. It's not
0: just Roger, it's not just Roger's name, it's the card that comes with it. It's like, he says, um, this is this is my card from work or something like that and then the guy sees it and says oh you know Roger Sterling let me get the keys so he's, it's only it's only when he produces this object this worthless object yes yeah true that kind of that he does something and also um, one of the interesting things when they when you go to the flashback the thing that Don Don's trying Don is trying to convince the son to buy the car but instead of convincing the son he talks to the father yeah and it's kind of like this whole thing of object R. so if you if you, the way to think about this object R, um uh, object of desire thing is to think of a long road and um an ice cream at the end of the road right so the ice cream at the end of the road is the object of desire
2: mm.
0: and the road is object R. so that's kind of how so like the father he's talking to the father to kind of like get but the dad says to him like I'm not the one you should be talking to. It should be him. So that's kind of cool. Um, we could talk more about the lady as well, but let's just leave that for now.
1: Let's leave that for now. Let's move on to Don with Roger and Cooper in the office.
0: What about um before that, when um Don is in his office by him's... When Don's in the office with um with Duck... I, mean, I don't really have a whole lot to say about that like i just think that that was just you know i know i know there's just um there's just things that roger says about um jane uh in there and um that oh what
1: when cool. yeah okay i mean that we yeah i mean I, i'd say the the jane stuff comes later when we talk about jane all
0: right let's talk about that later all right cool let's talk okay let's talk about the um yeah okay let's talk about um the the cooper and and Don and Roger Parker. So my...
1: the number one thing I want to say about this scene is I literally at one point had no idea what they were actually saying to him.
2: <laughs> I was like,
1: "Is are they gonna make him a partner? Yeah. Like, cause they were sort of going, oh, it's time for you to do all these things and blah, blah, blah. But there was no like, it was just really, it was really, it was a really weird conversation. It was yeah. like, they, they brought you into the office. They're both like sitting there. And they're like, oh, we've got some stuff we want to talk to you about. And yeah. they'd obviously sent him in and not Duck, so he's special. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah.
1: And <laughs> then they're just going, what? and we want you to do all these things and like be a philanthropist and blah, blah, blah. Do you understand what we're saying? And Don's just kind of like, I think Don was a bit like me because he was just a bit like, don't really understand where this conversation's going. <laughs> yeah.
0: <clears throat> what, what what what? I like about that scene is, you know, you said that um, Duck kind of gets left behind yeah and as, oh. as as um as don's walking out of the out of the office he kind of taps him on, on the shoulder and sort of just walks out sort of nonchalantly
1: yeah why the hell did he tell him to leave like he didn't even <laughs> say anything that was i just i don't understand like, oh my god
0: well there's two things so like i think that whole the, the, that whole thing with duck that in that part of that scene duck and he does it in the earlier scene as well duck's kind of talking about how how much work he's done, and how he's yeah, kind yeah. of like landed this um, big thing for him, and like how he's you know basically created all this business for him. And then obviously, um, they're not interested in Duck, they just want to speak to Don. And then Don goes into this room, and it's all about all the work that he's done, and like all this stuff. That, but what's really interesting is as he, like I said, well, as he leaves, he taps him, taps um, um, Duck on the shoulder, and as when he's in the room. And, you know, Cooper asks Roger to leave. Yeah. Roger taps
2: Don on
1: the show. But that's what I thought you we were talking about. I thought you we were talking about that scene. Ah, Like, okay. when when Roger, he... So, hang on. Cooper asks Roger to leave, right? Yeah. And then Roger leaves, and then he doesn't say anything that's like...
0: <laughs> he did, you know,
1: do you know what I mean? He, it's just like, why did that whole thing happen? Like, yeah. I don't understand.
0: I think it happened because it's all about it from from when when Rod, when Don leaves Duck in the office yeah it's like for 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 Don it's like this big thing of like you've been selected you're special kind of thing mm. but when Cooper tells Roger to leave the office it's almost like Don is just the normal person do you know what I mean he's like he's not as high as Roger is or he's not the status of Roger still, it's still the same thing. He's still, even though he's getting, he even though he's been sort of given this um, uh, sort of pat on the back sort of thing, he's still just done. Nothing's really changed apart from, you know,
2: symbolically. But, but,
1: the, uh, but, again, but again, something has changed. But I think, and maybe, I don't know, maybe I'm a dense audience member, I don't know. <laughs> But when I watched it, I was just sort of like, but really nothing does change <laughs> because they don't say anything other than you need to do this and you're going to be this and like blah, blah. It's like when you, you know, you sit in front of a child and you're like, what do you want to be when you grow up? Oh, you want to be a vet? Oh, okay. We'll make that, you know. We'll make sure that happens and that blah 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 and like false promises and all that sort of thing. But actually, yeah. In fact, they don't even give him a false promise. Like they just say stuff about how great his life's gonna be, and then that's it. There's no like this is. <laughs> there's no like we're doing this for this reason or it's like they've selected him. Because they did well, he did well in that coffee thing, and then all of a sudden he's been invited to some sort of weird exclusive club which has no name. Well,
0: do you, so do you know the, um, the museum that they're talking about? is an actual museum in, in New York, right? Yeah. And it's basically, it's called the Museum of American Folk Arts. And it's a museum basically that was made up of, it's basically some guy just said, I want to make a museum of folk art. He didn't know what folk art was, he didn't have any money. He didn't have any kind of place to put anything. All he had was this idea to make this, nice. this thing. So I think it ties into the theme of the episode. So if you think about objects, an object doesn't have to be a physical thing. It can just be a thing in your mind. It can just be an idea.
1: Well, uh, well then there you go. That That's that's what that is. But to me, it was it, it, a really kind of weird. It's like, imagine <clears throat> your boss inviting you into the office and being just like, and, you know... I'm going to expect you to go to more parties now. And it's like, what? <laughs>
0: yeah, <laughs> certainly, yeah. yeah.
1: You know, it's just, and I, think, I feel like Don doesn't even quite, I think yeah. you can see his sort of like little cogs going in his head, bless him. And like, yeah, I think it's interesting that everything that happens to Don in this episode is because someone else has asked him or told him to do it. What oh,
2: do you think? Yeah, like oh. he only
1: goes to the party because Betty wants to go to the party. Uh, he only buys the car because Roger wants to buy him a car. Uh, like everything that happens is uh, really because other people make him do those things.
0: That's true. That's true. I haven't thought about that. Um, one uh, interesting thing about this um, scene is there's a line that Cooper says, and it and it's the big it's a big sort of powerful line. Like philanthropy is the gateway to power, right? Mm. And what's really interesting about that line is you know that museum yeah the first um, object they ever had as their big item or their big sort of like showcase was a gate in the sh- shape of the American flag Oh. <laughs> so that's basically philanthropy being the gateway to power and that's the gateway to power in America there you go <laughs> It felt really clever when I when I realised it, and now it, it doesn't. Well,
1: me no, I mean, I just don't, I just don't I don't really understand. I still don't understand that scene. Just, <laughs> I just I was sort of like, what what's happening? I I like very clear instructions.
0: So. Yeah, you're not gonna get that with this no, show.
1: No, you're really not. Um, should we move on to the Don and Betty picnic? Uh,
0: yeah, let's do that. Let's do that. Um, Okay, do you want me to go? You, you, go me to you go, you okay. go fast this time. So there's loads of stuff happens in this. Um, I was just looking at this this, this morning, actually. But I think the, the the main thing of the whole scene is the fact that, you know, Don's got this new car. Um, and and you always, anyone who talks about the show will always talk about this scene about, oh, I can't believe people used to do that back in the day where they just throw their stuff around. I think another theme in the episode is the idea like you know we talk about objects and we talk about the object of desire. The weird thing about when you obtain the object of desire is it's pretty much useless. Like we were saying, like it, it can be a card it can be anything. And when you get it and you you realize it's not worth so anything. it's a
1: gold violin.
0: It's a gold violin mm-hmm. exactly. It's not worth anything. So there's a lot of stuff in this episode about disposability and how things are just kind of like thrown away. That's kind of what's happening here. It's like. There's also this thing about them having a picnic when while they're actually having the picnic one of the things that keeps coming up is the fact that they seem they seem to love it there and like I think Don says we should do this all the time and stuff. Yeah. And that's a big to me that's kind of like the idea of enjoyment and how the difference between enjoyment and pleasure. And enjoyment is this thing where you can enjoy something that is really difficult. You can enjoy something that's like a pain to do as long as you just enjoy the actual fact of factor so like you know when you you know some people kind of enjoy jobs where they're stressed all the time and they kind of have to work on their feet and have to think really fast some people like that kind of stuff i like this kind of doing this podcast where i kind of like stay up for ages just watching every single line and try. it's an absolute pain to do mm. but i love doing it um and those are those are the, like the reasons why we kind of live so like you know you might have a you might have a, a relationship with someone where they're a pain in the ass but you keep fighting and it's exciting and you kind of love each other because of that kind of thing and that's kind of like an enjoyment thing as well and then there's a the whole thing that versus pleasure and pleasure is kind of pleasure can be like really sort of um, uh, instantaneous and sort of not last not last very long So it's, it's like just, an
2: orgasm
0: yeah exactly like an orgasm or like like something really sweet that kind of is there for a second and disappears or like a, a, a drag on a cigarette or like a, a glass of wine or whatever just something that's kind of very temporary but it kind of it levels you out for a bit and it gets you away from the stress but it doesn't further your life it doesn't help you to grow yes and that's the difference between the two things and I think that's kind of what they were talking about when Don says we should do this more but really these guys are always kind of They're always working at something. They're always stressing themselves out. They're always doing things they don't enjoy. They're always trying to get so, like, and that's another thing. So so you can sort of tie it into the whole idea of the, the, um, the object of desire and object art, where object art is enjoyment in itself. Like the road, the actual, you know, the journey is is enjoyment, and the pleasurable part is the bit at the end where it's just this thing that you kind of go, oh, that's nice, and then you forget about it because really what we're living for is the journey and sort of like doing things every single day and doing something new and sort of challenging ourselves and the, the, and, the and the death and the resurrection of kind of like our own psyches anyway jesus <laughs> anyone <laughs> else did a drink that anyway that's that's what i <laughs> thought of that scene
1: <laughs> wow <laughs> How do you top that? <laughs> um, I mean, I thought the scene was good. Uh, no, um, I mean, to me, this was that whole thing of it just looking like one thing, but really being another thing in the sense that you see them, they're all lovely. It's all that nice conventional gingham yeah. picnic blanket, sunny day, you yeah. know, like she's lounging on his chest the little <laughs> kids playing checkers yep. and then it's just like interruption after interruption little boy needs to pee oh, yeah. then the girl's like she talks she wants to pee or like blah blah, blah. and then it's like go on
0: i was gonna well i don't want to take you off off your track but um no nah, i'll i'll let you finish and then i'll talk about sally wanting to but, pee. about
1: the peeing you want to talk about the peeing <laughs> <Yeah>. okay <laughs> But then it's that whole thing of it's like it's lovely, it's beautiful, and they're like, oh yeah, we should just do this. What so Betty says? was oh, we should do this more. And he says, oh, we should do it all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or whatever. And then and then he and then that thought's interrupted because it's like, oh, we want to beat the traffic. So yes. it's like so yeah. it's so amazing. Yes. But he still can't. That, he's still thinking about the traffic. Definitely. So then they get up. He throws. He lobs his can off into the into the distance i mean the, the most shocking thing is bloody betty though isn't it when she gets up and she's like she just shakes all the rubbish off them i mean I, honestly of the whole of the whole thing that see that made me so unhappy Please i was say like that, it's so fair. beautiful and she just literally like leaves all her crap all over the. and then they all bundle into the car and go home but
0: that's it isn't it that's the whole thing of it's just this it they are enjoying themselves, they're having a good time and everything that they get from that enjoyment, th- at the end of the enjoyment, they just throw it away. Like the. the
1: but this is, but it's almost like, to me, this is almost like Don Draper in a scene.
2: Right. Cause it's
1: like, you've got the lovely, the gold violin bit where it's all brilliant, everything's lovely and perfect. Yeah. But then, what's left behind is all, the, all, all yeah. the trash, all yeah. the shit, all the like, totally. you know, the stuff nobody wants is still left there. And yeah that's the thing is you can't escape that
0: yeah totally um the thing i wanted to say about um sally sally wanting to pee so basically um, bobby says he wants to go to pee pee right right and then sally says then then they uh, don tells him to go against a tree and sally says she wants to tinkle outside and betty says it's different for boys right yeah I don't know. I don't even know if I should go into this, but anyway, so we're talking about Freud here. We're talking about Lacan. Okay, here we go. <laughs> and this is basically to me, this scene is about penis envy. Oh
1: Jesus! <laughs> okay,
0: hit me with the penis envy. I, I don't. I don't know too much about it. Basically, the 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 idea is that um, you know. Girls...
1: Women are jealous because Women's men have penises. <laughs> much, oh, yeah, I'm that's... so jealous. I wish my <laughs> genitals hung outside my body. <laughs>
0: <laughs> this is all subconscious. And it kind of goes to that whole thing. Of, again, the phallus, isn't it? Like, <laughs> the idea being that um, Sally wants the phallus. Um... <laughs> anyway, let's move on. <laughs> Look it up if you want to know any more, because I'm not going to go into it anymore. Um... Okay. <laughs> yeah. So...
1: Right. And then we move on to Don confronted with uncomfortable accusations.
2: <laughs> oh, a, a, a perfect segue um
1: into Penis envy. Um no. So, uh this is obviously the bit very towards the end of the episode, but they they, they go to this party, yep. you know, um what's his name? As br- Jimmy. Jimmy has rung up Betty and yeah. gone. Betty giving her a little bit of a flirt, which we know Betty always falls for hook line and thinker.
2: Hard, yeah. Come
1: to my party, love, come to my party. So she 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 gets Don in his black tie yep. and off they go to this party.
0: I just wanna I'm just hang on, I'm just trying to find the bit where where Betty's talking to Jimmy on the phone. That that whole scene where Jimmy phones up and he wants to talk to Betty. Um, it's kind of... There's just kind of a... It's a really short scene. Um, but it's... I think we see more of this whole sort of... Objects of Desire kind of... Um, and um, Object ah sort of thing. So this whole thing of like... He wants her to come to this party. He want, He's kind of like inviting her to this party. And he wants her to be there. She's the object of Desire and the way to get her to do that is to actually, like you say, um, flatter her and tell her all these nice things, and it's kind of like the two things work in tandem with each other. Um, I didn't really want to say much more than that. I kind of... <laughs> what did, you, did you have anything that you kind of...
1: No, not especially. I mean, he rings her up, he flirts with her, he convinces her to come to his party. At that point, did I think there was an ulterior motive? No. Okay. I thought he was just being a bit jimmy
0: you know he he calls it the hudson river the hudson river valley bell or something and do you know what the hudson river is
1: yeah it's a river in new york
0: yeah but it's i think it's like the second place that was discovered in america (laughs) and and the reason i think that's interesting is because christopher columbus obviously discovered america but this guy, um, what's his name? Um, John Cabot um, was also looking for someone, something that Christopher Columbus had, had, had discovered, but he didn't know what it was. So he came across um, the Hudson, Hudson Valley River and that's how North America was kind of discovered. It's just kind of, I like the fact that that kind of is in there as a kind of another kind of one of these things of objects are and the objects of desire. I be. mean,
1: in this Betty's basically a golden violin. She, she? Is. I mean, yeah, she's she is, like, definitely. she's she's pretty, but she's useless. Like she's just, <laughs> you know, she sort of loves a bit of flirting. She gets on a posh frock. Off they go to the party. Yes, right? let's talk about the party. And you know, that's that whole thing of Jimmy. We find out Jimmy clearly invited her there so he could. F- Plan A was getting to her pants.
0: Well, this is the thing. Well, I, I don't. Do you think that? Do you think that's
1: well? What? This is the thing. So that this is the big question for me about this whole hmm. scene because it's really I I, I I don't know is the short answer. Okay. Because one wonders if he had the opportunity. Yeah. Had she not turned him down. Hmm. Would he have?
0: Well, I guess that's the point. Is it like what is his real? Um motive here and I think the reason I wanted to go back to that phone call is because when they're talking um, Jimmy says I know exactly what I'm doing and it's to me it's kind of I don't think it matters what he actually wants to do I think the point what he specifically wants to do whether it's kind of like just tell her that uh, Don's cheated on her with his wife or you know, sleep with it or whatever. I don't think that matters. I think what matters is the fact he wants to fuck things up for Don. And he wants to do that because he's got what he wanted. He's got his objective is up, which is his TV show and his life's great. And he's kind of... and, he, and the But thing, he
1: says that. Yeah. But he's clearly not happy.
0: I don't know if he isn't happy. I think he literally, I just think he wants to ruin his life. I don't think he's, I don't think he's got anything to do with whether he's happy or not. And I don't think, this is the point, I don't think i don't think getting the object of desire is anything to do with happiness it's not getting the object doesn't make you happy getting the, the the golden violin doesn't make you happy it's just something to but it's, it's object r that makes you happy it's the actually doing the thing that you are, and and when we say happy when i talk about happiness is in like content and sort of joyful i'm talking more sort of enjoyment where it's just kind of it's just something you like doing it doesn't necessarily mean it makes you smile. It might make you miserable as hell, but it's something that you enjoy doing, and it's something that you fill your time with, that you keep going back to.
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I think there's more. I think it's very deep. I think he's his character is way more complex than because I mean the first time we met him, he was yelling at like a curvaceous woman yeah <laughs> you know who just so happened to be like actually pretty important yeah and i think in i think for him he's very he does want to fuck things up for don yeah but one would also ask if he didn't care mm. then why would he bother like he's got what he wanted
0: because that's so, I don't think that's all he wanted. I think yeah, but at the same time, I think.
1: And second, my second point would be why isn't he? Why is he still with Bobby?
0: That's a good point, actually. I don't and know.
1: I think the the reason is is that it, it is is as I've just said, Betty is a gold violin. I think he's a gold violin as well.
0: Okay. Okay.
1: I think he is Bobby's gold violin.
0: Nice, interesting, um, interesting.
1: In that she sees him as something perfect she sees him as her business she sees him as a way for her to get enjoyment out of her life by fucking around yeah. yeah he's he is her ob- he is her object
2: yeah, yeah. he is
1: her performing monkey
2: okay yeah and
1: he loves her and that's the difference right okay and that's why it and that's why this bothers him so much because it, one would even ask does he do this because he loves doing it? Because we haven't seen him go on and on about this show for it. It's her that's been pushing true. for the show. It's not him. Right, yeah,
0: that's a good point. And I
1: think there's a whole really interesting dynamic where he's like, Yeah, I've got what I wanted and he's happy with that because it makes his wife happy.
0: Right, right. But ah, uh, but he doesn't that doesn't give him anything. Exactly. He's just kinda of got along with it.
1: Exactly. It's complicated. Okay and you know you could argue because we don't know enough about it and that's one of the, my things with this scene was that whole question of did he want to sleep with Betty was that his plan A because mm. that would have then made her you know or, or, or put Don almost in his shoes yeah, yeah, yeah but when Betty doesn't do that that mm. pisses him off because he's like well he, he
0: goes plan B <laughs> just you know. burn it down do you
1: know what I mean and I think with I think the other thing that bothered me a little bit about the scene and it's not a criticism because I realised, as I said at the beginning, you can't like untie every single knot. Yeah. But what I was interested in is how he found out. Oh yeah. Which is never explained. That's a good point. Because obviously back in those days, you couldn't just look at his D her DMs. Well. Or like,
0: okay, so there is the scene in um, the new girl where he wants to see Don, and he literally wants he he phones up he phones up to see Don. After the whole crash and everything, and everyone's panicking, thinking, "Oh no, he knows, he knows," and then he just says, "Oh, you're a really cool guy," and it's kind of like, does he know then?
1: Well, this is the thing, but it's never confirmed. Yeah, and that's the and the other question that raises is: Is this something Bobby does habitually?
0: Yeah, well, you know,
1: is this why he is the person that he is? Well, he does
0: say she does.
1: (laughs) But but you know, well, you know what I mean. But that's the thing: is it's like, well, if he knows that, yeah.
0: Why does he stay with her?
1: Well, no, why does he stay with her? But also, why does he seem <laughs> to go for Don so much? Because he's aware that his wife is actually a factor in this. It's not like, because actually she pursued him.
0: Well, hang on. you got to remember, a, a big part of this episode is enjoyment, right? Jouissance, let's say. Oh, and also, you got to remember that scene and also the very, very final scene. They all, they all um, refer back to... Um, red in the
1: face oh god we can go back with the referrals now
0: red Red in the face is the episode where Don yes I know I
1: remember that one particularly
0: and they're kind of like fighting each other and the whole point of that's the thing about human psyche where people compete with each other and Don and Jimmy is kind of competing with Don and there is you know that whole episode ends with um, Don having made um, Roger's sick and then walks off and I know you didn't see it because you, you don't like watching people sick but um, he walks over and he's got this massive smile in his face and that's kind of what Jimmy does at the end of this episode he kind of just fucks up his life and, and enjoys the moment of kind of like fucking up Don's life
1: no absolutely well, I, w- I wouldn't even say that he I don't even know if he really did enjoy it I think he I think I think the powerful part of this episode was Don, the look on Don's face yeah. is the same from when the woman in the shop who comes into the car dealership oh, is right. like, you're not really Don Draper, are you? Or whatever she says. And yeah, he's yeah. got that look of horror. Yeah, yeah. And he has the same look of horror. Yeah, yeah. Because the thing is, in both of those situations, he cannot deny.
2: This is true.
1: He tries to deny, or at least we see him try to deny in, in, the, in the Jimmy scenario. Yeah, yeah. But he can't he can't deny it and I think for the first time it's almost like that confrontation of actually he knows in his head like he's not this person or blah, blah blah and he has other people who will convince him, Oh you are great and you are a philanthropist yeah. and you are all these things and this is the first person who's basically said you're a massive shitbag and I hate you <laughs> yeah. And like he's just like oh my god, I can't believe that and it's it's that that look of horror is just, I think i think it's fabulous. Yeah, really um, and I, I really enjoyed that scene. And I really, you know, a little, little phallic high five <laughs> to Jimmy for, you know, for going there at his own party that and really going for the guy that, you
0: know. Before we move on, can I just say that, um, you know, I, I was talking about how red and blue are kind of important colours mm. in this show.
1: Okay, yeah, she's wearing blue. Um, Who's wearing Red.
0: Um, Bobby's wearing red. Is he? <laughs> okay. Well, she, girl Bobby.
1: Bobby, of course. <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah. Um, shall we go? shall we go back then?
1: Should we go back? Yeah. Should we storyline B?
0: Storyline B. Let's yes.
1: Let's go storyline B. So I put storyline B is Sal indulging in his fantasies of an impossible life through Ken's work of fiction.
0: Yes. So, so what we gonna how are we gonna do this? Because like I think a big part of that is. Um, them going in to see this picture. The picture is. I I
1: actually. Oh,
0: would you say that's not? Would you say that's something? I
1: else? think that's so. I I actually think that's sort of like a Jane thing. Oh
0: okay, Oh fair enough. Fair
1: but enough. I think they, I think it can tie into both.
0: No, I think I think you're right. Let's 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 leave that for Jane because yeah, I, 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 I do mean, love that picture.
1: For this storyline, I don't think there's a whole lot really to say I mean from my perspective but we know what you're like
2: <laughs> I mean
1: so it's very obvious it, it's sort of like Ken's approach to life yeah is different to Don's <laughs> approach to life isn't it really oh what do you mean well I mean the defining line for me in this is everyone's telling him oh you're a brilliant writer and you know Sal's proper giving him the whole like brown nose thing mm-hmm. blah blah And he's just like, oh, it's just my hobby. (laughs) And then sounds like a hobby. Like, you know, Hmm. because this is, I guess, your pleasure enjoyment thing, isn't it? Whereas it's like he does it. I I think Ken does it for pleasure. I don't think he does it for enjoyment.
0: Really? Okay.
1: In some senses, because I think he.
0: But would you say, okay, it's probably not a one to one thing. But what would you say he does for enjoyment? Would you say that was his job? Cause I um,
1: I don't know. I don't think he enjoys his job, but I think lots of. But I think he sees his job as a job, which is not what most people in that place see it as. Right. Okay. I think he sees his job as a job, and I think he sees his writing as a hobby. Okay. And I think he's got a very clear distinction of like this is what I do to earn money, and this is what I do for pleasure.
0: Yeah. Okay. But I, I'm just trying to see how that fits in. So, like, if if he does, because I would say that he does enjoy writing, I think.
1: Yes, he does enjoy writing.
0: And like specifically enjoys it. And I would say that he does, but for, like, for pleasure, he does things like, you know, chat with women and, you know- Yeah, but he's shit at chatting at women. <laughs> you know, he just turns up and says his name. Um, but it's <laughs> like, he smokes, he drinks, all of those things. But his real enjoyment is, um, yeah, his, his hobby do um,
1: i think it is okay. i think i think because from what you said about enjoyment is it's also the thing that will drive you to succeed in life
0: no that's not what i meant what i meant in terms of it drive you to no 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 so that's different so <laughs> i know there's a lot of jargon. sorry um the thing that drives you that drives you to succeed or drives you to do to, to better yourself so to speak is the object of desire so that's the kind that and you don't that doesn't necessarily so that the object of desire isn't necessarily um it's not going to make you work in a good way or a bad way it's just going to make you work so you could strive towards the object of desire by enjoying yourself which is like you know like doing this podcast or like or like with um Uh, with Ken with his writing like he's just kind of like he's just doing it because he enjoys it then he might get something out of it but he might not but it doesn't really matter all that matters is that he's doing this thing that he enjoys fine but then the other way of getting the thing the object of desire is to kind of put yourself through hell and kind of like really work at something and really kind of um, not enjoy something but the weird thing about that is you might never, you might not actually get that thing that you enjoy. Which, which
1: I would say is probably more what Ken's about. Right, okay. Because to me, his desire, or from what we got get from the end of this episode, yeah. when he sees Sal back in the office on Monday, yeah. is he's saying, oh, I, I want what you've got. Yeah. And we've seen his relentless pursuit of Jane yes, and Jane. other yeah. women. Yeah, yeah, totally, and totally. his. Fail for whatever reason we've never seen like why and that's
0: why I, that's why i called that pleasure because pleasure is the kind of thing where it doesn't really have anything at the end of it
1: but i but i don't think that is pleasure i think he's possibly i don't know maybe i'm completely off but is he actually trying to forge a relationship with a woman
0: yeah totally like, but what i what i mean by pleasure is like you could also say that um
1: but he's putting himself through hell yeah, in totally. trying to get the thing that he wants
0: yeah totally 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 um,
1: because he's just getting rejected and doesn't <laughs> seem to understand that he's bordering on harassment
0: now. <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, but what I mean is, I, I mean, I, I, maybe I'm not totally right on what I'm saying, but for me, pleasure is, it's not necessarily good for you. You can, like, like chatting up a girl can be a pleasurable experience, but then she goes to her boyfriend and you're kind of, you're just left by yourself. So it's kind of, it didn't amount to anything, but it was fun in the moment. It just wasn't anything in itself. Enjoyment can be sort of like chatting up a girl and then it goes somewhere or just talking to a girl. But
1: you can't define those things before they happen. Mm. Like you can say, oh, I have a smoke when I go out because I like to smoke when i've had a drink right but then if someone asked you can you recall every single cigarette you had yeah. which you probably enjoyed at the time or found pleasure in i can't remember i mean i've probably smoked far too many cigarettes in my life but i don't remember i can remember maybe three of them
0: but i think so okay so let's 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 say for instance that um this is how it's another way of looking at pleasure and enjoyment let's say for instance that um ken really like you know, from my point of view, Ken enjoys writing, yeah? Yeah, I, 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 I'm, I'm not, not
1: disputing that he enjoys writing, yeah. just so you
0: know. Okay, okay. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not saying this happens in the show. I'm just saying, like, this is, like, an example of how pleasure kind of affect, affects enjoyment. So, he's he, he, he wants to go and do some writing, um, but then this really hot girl turns up and she's kind of like, let's go and look at this picture. And he's like, oh, I just want to do my writing. I'm not saying this is what happened, but, you know... <laughs> Um, and so instead of doing the thing that he enjoys, he goes and does the thing that he thinks he'll get something out of. And that's pleasure. It takes you away from enjoyment.
2: Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't
1: know. I feel like the two things can. I, think, I feel like it's an icky.
0: It is. Concept, it is it's hard to. to I actually find it easier to understand than the idea of desire versus want. I think they're very similar, but I find this easier. I find enjoyment versus pleasure easier to understand than desire versus want. Because I still can't get my head around that fully.
1: Well, I mean... Or desire
0: I d- versus need. I don't
1: know. Uh, what, want and need? Yeah. Oh, see, I get want and need really, like... Ah, uh, okay. Like, so if we use want and need... Yeah. Ken wants... Ooh, that's... <laughs> it's tricky with him, actually, because I, I feel like he's very unclear in that he doesn't have a he doesn't really have a need, that's the thing.
2: Right.
1: He doesn't know he doesn't say what he but he doesn't say what he needs. Um he need perhaps the thing that he needs is gratification. Hmm. Because I think, you know, you wouldn't give someone something you'd written. As someone who has given people things so I I I I like to dabble in a bit of writing as well. (laughs) Um and I hand I handed something that I'd written to a friend of mine and and afterwards they gave it back to me and they said, oh, it's brilliant. Yeah. And I said, well, you know, it's interesting you, t- you say that because yeah. you you were never going to turn up and say, <laughs> that was a piece of shite. Well, I'm never going to read your stuff again. And and they said to me, oh, well, so what? You don't you don't believe me? Then what's the point in me reading it? Yeah. And then you sort of like, I, it's, it's a really weird... Yeah. Um, thing where it's kind of like I still don't know if I believe anyone who's read my stuff and said it's good
0: I feel like they nail that so well with the whole dinner scene with Sal and Ken because the whole point of him being there really is just to get this validation that he's written this thing he doesn't he even says like I don't know if I want you to tell me that you enjoyed it or you didn't do you know what I mean he's really sort of weird about that and the whole there's an end of one of the scenes where he basically said, where um, Ken says to Sal, "What did you think of it?" And Sal says, "It was lovely."
2: Yeah.
0: And that's it. <laughs> it's like there's no, there's nothing else to get from it. That's what I mean by like the object of desire. It's kind of like it's pretty useless, really. It's just something to get you to that point. So in order to get the validation or whatever, he had to write the story. He had to give it to to um to Sal. Then he had to go to Sal. Sal to so they're living life within the confines of this idea he had to write a story. So there's this whole thing that kind of makes life, sort of thing.
1: Well, let's talk about Sal. Yes. Poor Sal. Is it poor Sal, though? (laughs) I mean, you know... (laughs) Poor Kitty. Poor Kitty, for
0: sure.
1: (laughs) But, you know, with Sal, I think... I think, as, as I say, he's clearly indulging in his fantasies that he... Like Ken is the object of desire or whatever the hell you called it. Yeah. Um, isn't he? I mean he's basically a, an idea to be flirted with. He's yep. he's an object of art in that in he's, or whatever you well, call li-
0: it. He's almost literally he's almost literally um, the golden violin in that he's this pretty thing that is pretty much useless <laughs> pretty much useless to to to, to sell.
1: But I, but I, that's what I mean by him indulging his fantasies though, because he, sorry, I'm like trying to get comfy on this chair. It's like, phone <laughs> just moved house and he has new chairs. Um. Uh, yeah, I, I just, I feel a little bit like he, he's an indul, he's a, he's an indulgement. He's something that and Sal knows nothing's ever gonna happen. you
0: saying he's a bit of pleasure.
1: Yes, absolutely. <laughs> and I think it's one of those where he invites him round. He's a guilty pleasure, is yeah, what it is. He is a
0: guilty pleasure, yeah, totally. And um,
1: he invites him round and he's sort of like, you know, he invites him into this, into this flat that he's decorated and, like, his, you know, the cooking that he's... He's feeding him the sauce. <laughs> yeah. It's like, it's, this is this is Sal's dream life with a man. Yeah,
0: it's totally a fantasy, it's, isn't it?
1: Everything yeah. is sort of like, and like I say, with... Poor Kitty, it is the whole thing, it's as though she's not there, yeah. Um, and he's totally focused on Ken.
0: Well, if we go back to the idea of like, so this idea of the object of desire being essentially useless, right? Um, if you think about um Sal and think about how he got to that position with Kitty in the first place, I think he mentions his mother sort of moving up and like he brought Kitty with her. So, that in itself, like one of the ways of looking at um, the object of desire is this idea of access or excess, sorry. So, it's like it's more, it's like there's this, um, it's this, there's this um, uh, equation that um, the can came up with, which is desire equals n- desire equals demand minus need or something, right? And so, the idea that Um, Sal would desire a kind of a very normal existence like like normal inadvertent covers you know a a heteronormal existence with a wife in a house and all that kind of stuff Um, so he desires that thing he obtains that thing but you know using Lacan's um, equation desire is kind of almost like a a disposable thing it's kind of like something that doesn't you don't really want it's just there and that's kind of what kitty is in this scene where she's kind of just there she's just almost like an addition to his life that he doesn't really want um and all the other stuff he actually wants and he actually the only and the actually the thing you the new sort of desire that he wants is ken and yeah he's a just a bit kind of a bit sad really
1: (laughs) it is sad i think it's sad for all involved to be perfectly honest
0: oh to be a beard
1: oh gosh (laughs) i mean and then then it's interesting i think the final thing to sort of say i mean we probably will touch on this again a little bit in the jane part when we talk about the the actual art Mm -hmm. um but you know it's it's the lighter is the symbol of you know it's like it's like the first time you go on a date with a guy and they take you to the movies and you keep the movie ticket, although nowadays you don't do that. I don't think back (laughs) in the day you did. And you keep those little mementos. Yeah,
0: it means something.
1: It means something, but it really doesn't mean anything. Yeah. And that's what's really interesting is that, again, it's like that whole thing of like, he's kept it. It wasn't given to him. It wasn't a gift. It's something that he's kept as a memento Mm. of something that he experienced and I think that's
0: yeah. Uh, that's what that's that's exactly what I've been talking about yeah the, objects are, the object exactly. are is the, exactly the experience and that's and what it is Object of desire is the is the lighter but what's really I like what I like about that last scene where he's he's got the lighter is he so he's, he's got the lighter which is essentially object are uh, so the object of desire but he's smoking a cigarette and the cigarette to me is pleasure it's kind of it's the two things kind of together where like 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 enjoyment and pleasure pleasure together yeah um so i thought that was really cool i love how the the show does little weird things like that where it's
1: so crazy matthew so (laughs) crazy um (laughs) i love you matthew oh uh, i like you um (laughs) Um, I'd probably like you more if I understood what you did a bit more. Okay. Um, <laughs> anyway, let's move on to the, the final story arc, and then at the end we'll have our sort of random scenes to talk about. Um but you sp- that, that
0: was a joke? Because <laughs> I don't want to ask that. I, just, like I was just thinking, like, I said, if, if someone took that seriously, that would sound really weird.
1: Tem- took what seriously? Me saying I love Matthew wine <laughs> oh my god! Seriously, no one's gonna tell him. <laughs> do you want me to send him? Do you want me to send him a Twitter DM? Is it's he on Twitter?
0: not that. It's like obviously he's listening, and I just don't want him to feel a bit. Awkward. Oh my
1: god! Can you imagine? If he was listening to this, like me just going, "Oh shit!" and like penis jealousy, and all that kind of, kind of stuff. Actually, Matt, my friend, can you can you clear up the whole penis envy thing, please? Thank you very much.
0: He's looking at. His, he's looking at his. Um. Um. He's looking at his phone now. Going they've got it they know exactly do you all reckon yeah, to,
1: do you reckon yeah, alright so let's talk about my favourite story because go it's got Joan in it um, Jane upsets the natural order of Joan the natural order of Joan being a natural thing uh, and proves that age before beauty pearls before swine now did you understand what I wrote there
0: yeah so I was kind of surprised that you, you know, not just because you don't, don't. Oh my read. god! <laughs> I'm not saying that you so offensive. You you, you you kind of like you tend not to want to look that deep into it. So I'm kind of I kind of surprised that you kind of pulled that one out. Um, the 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 whole age change because there's a lot of that in this episode. I think it's not just them two. There's loads of different. Even, yes, even I actually
1: with, haven't seen that, but yes, you're right.
0: Even with. Um, sally when they when when don tells that story about being a kid and how and 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 sally saying um i'm glad i wasn't born in the olden days yeah and how young people can sort of benefit from older from 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 the people that came before them and sort of not really think about it and not have to deal with that stuff and also obviously you've got the um schmitty and current schmitty um, in that amazing scene where so they go into there's a I know we'll get to the we'll get to Jordan in a second but there's the scene where Kurt um, uh, are in Don's office and they're talking about this this document yes um, and that document is kind of really important and I wrote it down somewhere ah oh, that's it it's called the Port Huron statement right do you know what that is
1: no
0: so the Port Huron statement was. Uh, kind of statement by lots of um, Ivy League students um, at university in America. And it's basically this very idealistic thing about how, you know, they're going to fight injustice and sort of, right. And it's kind of really interesting. It kind of feeds into this episode a lot because it, it's it's an object of, of desire. But it's not an actual object as a thought. And it's kind of like, it's idealistic sort of like setting out of how they're going to fight injustice and, you know, they're going to sort of, um, fight racial inequality and sexual equality and all these different lots of other things as mm. well. And the reason that I find it really fascinating is because that's kind of what happens during the sixties. It, it all kind of plays out in a very kind of messy yeah. way. But like that mm. was the starting point, and it's kind of like the starting point for it's. It's almost like a uh, in, what's the what's the term? Incidental point. In- point of incident i don't know but you know like in a a film where you kind of like they set out what's going to happen in that film yeah yeah that's kind of what this that's what that is in this in this episode it's like this kind of this is what's going to happen and this is how it's going to affect the characters in the story um and also through that entire scene we've got we've got them talking about making this speech about how they can kind of You know come up with things for they they don't want to be told what to do and all this kind of stuff and then just as just as they're gonna play the song that they've written this little jingle that they've written the scene cuts because it doesn't matter what the actual thing was all that matters is you had an idea in the first place does that make any sense? Yes. So, yeah, I just got... Sorry, I know I went off
1: way off. So, when I said, we're going to talk about story C and then do our random <laughs> scenes afterwards, um, apparently Fola didn't listen to any of that. So, you can so, just enjoy that nugget that should have been at the end and instead has ruined the the, the format that I, I set up earlier. So, let's I'll go do. back to story C,
2: um,
1: which we were making the point uh, before... We kind of sidebarred quite significantly um, uh, that Jane upsets the natural order of Joan and that proves it. that age before beauty, yep. pearls before swine mm-hmm. um, and I asked you what does that mean and then you went on to talk about a completely different scene <laughs> um, <laughs> so yeah, alright um, Where do we start with this? well I mean I think let's talk about the incident of Jane Luring the men, yeah. into Cooper's office the, to look at this artwork.
0: Poor um, unsuspecting men. Because
1: um, Jane, she, Jane is is a is an interesting character. Because I quite she's growing on me. I don't love her.
2: Right, okay. She is
1: growing on me, and I do think that she's learned everything she knows from the Queen Joan. <laughs> from Joan. Yeah, absolutely. I don't
2: know if she had. I
0: think they're very similar. I don't know because she's only been there what.
1: Yes, but she's twenty and we you've just segued into that point about how they want to do things oh, yeah, differently. Their own way. Yeah. Their own way yeah. And that's her doing things her own way. That's a very good and she's point, taking yeah. in she's taking control of the the men who are constantly harassing her and yeah. sort of chatting her up. Totally. And she's she's almost like challenging them. Mm-hmm. Cause she's like let's break into and they're all like oh, we can't do that and she's like come on we're not even breaking in he's not even there like let's just go kind yeah. of thing yeah. um she's allowing herself to be young and wild and free and to just like look at i mean they're breaking in to look at a piece of artwork like you know i'm all for it jane i'm all for it
0: um, um before we uh, the only so i know i kind of went off on the tangent and i'm going to go back to that tangent again just for one thing because it goes into the the scene that we're going to talk about so like the end of that scene where it cuts off the music right and you're saying it's like uh the music is almost like it doesn't matter what it is it's kind of it it's like it's almost like an excess it's almost like a a disposable part of the whole thing because it doesn't matter all it is is a point to get to right the next scene where they're all in that sort of room and they're all talking about this pitch for nappies yeah, is a picture is a shot of a nappy, and someone's pouring um, whiskey whiskey into it. Yeah, it's like almost like saying the thing that you wanted to see is shit, and it doesn't matter. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> do you know where I'm coming from? No, okay, <laughs> okay. Someone out there will, will, will understand. I'll say anyway. <laughs> Ugh. Oh, okay. <laughs> jane, jane and, and joe jane and joe don't, don't we want to go into it so are we going to talk about how they end up doing
1: well they end up doing it because harry's got his little chat with cooper coming up isn't he, and freaking out
0: oh yeah okay so should we talk about that, or should we just go? Well,
1: I've put I've put in if you'd read the format. <laughs> okay, so
0: exactly.
1: We can talk about Harry at the end if we want to, but I'm not sure how long we've been going for already. So. Okay, okay,
0: all right. Let's talk about Jane. <laughs> and let's talk about Harry. Jane
1: and Joan <laughs> again. <laughs> let's take
0: another. Let's take another swing at it.
1: Um, I actually think, really, I quite I quite like to start sort of because I think there's obviously a lot of let's chat up Jane in this episode. Let's harass Jane. Yep. I like the bit. I like the bit where she they actually go into the office and they all talk about what they see in the painting. Yes, like, I think that is really really fun. Um,
0: Do you know what that reminded me of?
1: Um, was yeah. is it a triangle?
0: No, <laughs> it's not red in the face either. Um, Indian it, summer. No, not Indian summer. It reminds me of five G. Ah.
1: What
0: happens in 5G? In 5G, it's the one where we first learn about um, Ken's writing ability. Okay. And there's a scene where, um, I think it's Paul... um, Who is it? It's Paul... um, Pete and someone else. And I can't remember who. Oh, Paul, Pete and... Oh, I can't remember someone else, and they're all sitting in the room, and they all basically are all really jealous, and they all have a different take on why it's annoying that Ken wrote this story. Right. Only in this scene, they all have a different take on what this what the picture means to them,
1: and what it means to Cooper. What it means to Cooper. Well, I think they're all trying to figure out. Oh yeah. Why? Because this all started because he was like they all think that Harry's going to be asked into Cooper's office to be asked what he thinks of this painting yeah, or, yeah, yeah, or yeah. something. Yeah. So it's such a weird like thing to be stressed about, because so they've all gone in to try and look at this painting and figure out what the answer is. What is Cooper going to want them to say about this piece?
0: Well, I don't know if I don't know if they're all thinking that. I think the only person who's really worried about saying the right thing is Harry I was Harry was the other person um Harry's the only one who's genuinely sort of like I need to know what to say about this painting to to the point where he's looking for a brochure for the thing um I think um Sal is kind of very almost like he knows all about it but he doesn't actually connect with it in any emotional way um Jane is very... My personal
1: favourite.
0: Jane is very kind of logical about it. That's and interesting. that's kind of like, you know, interesting. <laughs> just walks off. Um, and um, what's his name? Ken, like, sort of gets submerged in it. And he's like, mm. this is amazing.
1: It's like diving like, into a pool or whatever, isn't it? Yeah, he does. He says, yeah. it's like,
0: diving into a pool. or is that, it's, it's very deep. And that kind of reminded me of what uh, Don said about what he wants in, in life. And he wants the ocean, but it's too big. And that kind
1: of does a bit of a parallel. Yeah. But I think that's a very interesting moment with Jane in that she is what she is. She, yeah, she does. She is care. what yeah. she is. She's not after anything. She doesn't want anything from anyone. Well,
0: she's very just very logical about it, isn't it, she?
1: But I think she's quite a logical person anyway. I think she's clearly used to men hitting on her all the time. And, you know, and she's... I mean, she's 20, for God's sake. <laughs> so anyway, what happens next? Joan goes after Paul. In, in a sort of weird yeah. coffee cup dance. Yeah. Um, I love that scene. I love that scene as well. I thought it was brilliant when she just appears and he's just like, <laughs> oh no, oh, oh no. <laughs>
0: well, I, I really like it because um, it oh, there's something before it. Yeah, so there's, I think, okay, so it, it's kind of a difficult because I know we're going by character, but like the, the run of scenes all kind of reflect each other um, up to that point. And the whole thing with, um, Joan and, and, um, uh, and Paul is, well, she doesn't really, he doesn't tell her anything. Yes,
1: right? correct. He doesn't.
0: And she, but she's kind of like really, uh, why do you think she does he doesn't tell her anything?
1: Because he knows that she, like, she's like the boss basically. Mm. She is the one that runs the show.
2: Okay,
1: she is the showrunner. She's the Matthew Weiner of the of Sterling Cooper. That's right. what she does, right? And it's like she didn't. She wasn't consulted. She wasn't included.
0: Right. Okay. It's interesting. Yeah.
1: And she wasn't part of it. And it, that's the, that's the thing. Is that's why Paul knows first of all because it's almost like they've. It, it's like. You know when you came onto the playground a late and all your friends were playing with someone else's, you know yo-yos or whatever it was, yeah. and they weren't interested in yours anymore. And you were like, um, "Hang on a minute." And the thing is, I think Joan's looking for that reason to be mad at the moment at Jane. She doesn't like Jane. She's threatened by
0: Jane. <laughs> yeah, totally.
1: But she doesn't like that, and that's why. And and the thing is, Paul will know that. They'll all know that. I think. Um, right.
0: Okay. Yeah. Um shall we talk about that scene then? Should we get Yeah, to I mean
1: it? that's sort of what, I'm, that's that's what of I that's all I really had to say about it, but yeah, more to say than go for it.
0: Well um hang on, so which which scene are we talking about
1: now?
0: Coffee cup. The coffee oh sorry, sorry, I I thought we were gonna talk about the next one. Oh no. what, the the
1: when the the confrontation.
0: Yeah, the confrontation. Hang on, let me just I want to make sure I don't have anything to say about this it's interesting about the coffee cup in that scene right
1: like the passing it back and forth yeah yeah it's a bit weird
0: because she he buys that's so yeah so that's one of the things i wanted to say so he he buys this coffee and she kind of takes it off him and instead of fighting for it like an object of desire he just goes and buys another coffee and it's kind of like there's something about and he tells her like you know when when paul's asking uh, sorry, when, when Joan's asking all this information about what happened, he tells her it's none of her business, which is exactly what um, Cooper says to um, Harry when he asks him about the thing. But the difference between the two scenes, and I know I'm I'm not supposed to be talking about this thing, but the difference between the two scenes is when um, um, Joan tells um, Paul, when she's trying to get information out of Paul, instead of asking him what actually happened, She basically tells him what happened and he basically says, I'm not going to tell you. Like, it's almost like, it's almost like, it's one of the things I have, one of my worries about this podcast is like, I know on this podcast, I'm just standing here telling everyone what's happening. And I don't know if that's the best way to do it. Like the best way to do it is to say, what do you think happened and have a conversation. Well, that's what we are doing.
1: People are just listening to us
0: do it. Well, we're doing it to each other, I guess. Yeah. But oh, yeah. we don't do that for the audience. We're kind of well.
1: They can email us if they want to. That's they true. just haven't. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, um, but but I think that's that's how you sort of open up to people, isn't it? It's like that. What's interesting about the way um, Harry Harry makes a really good call there is like by asking Cooper what he thought of the picture because it literally opens him up and he starts talking about all kinds of stuff. Um, but with um, with Jo, she totally gets shut down because she's kind of assuming she knows everything and doesn't really give Paul a chance to kind of connect with her on any level. And there's obviously there's lots of other things there as well about how they've kind of had a relationship and how they kind of know each other. But really the fact that she doesn't give him a chance to just be a human being and just kind of relax with him, I think that's one of the reasons she doesn't get any information out of him.
1: So I think, that, I mean, this episode for Joan is, is an interesting one because I think this is the first one where we really never seen her in at a point where she is an object of desire which is pretty much how we've seen her the entire way through thus far is that in this episode she's the only thing that is not desired (laughs) by a single other person i guess
0: she is (laughs) and
1: and that's i think what that's sort of her undoing really is that that then makes her become ugly because she's not i I don't want to say unwanted but like you know in this episode and because it, and it's it's really interesting and we'll go into it in a bit but it's really interesting that roger never actually talks to her about uh, what's happened uh, and all this sort of stuff yeah. and it's that whole thing of of her feeling like going from being the object of desire to not being the yeah, object of yeah. desire anymore and what that's like yeah, totally um, right. and i think that's a really interesting thing and, and you know this is why she reacts the way that she does to this whole Jane thing. Yeah. Jane being all like, you know, they have the confrontation and that's, I really like how that's filmed because that's filmed very much like Joan is the high angle, Jane is the low oh, angle. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Jane is the, is the innocent, vulnerable, you know, sweet receptionist <laughs> who's put a foot wrong. I know about sweet. Joan is now this like horrible matriarchal figure almost yeah, who's yeah. like, you know, trying to keep her natural order of how, you know, things are done. Um, and you know, Jane's Jane's challenging that, and all the things. And you know, we know from Joan, although she looks fabulous, we know that Joan isn't a challenger in that she doesn't challenge people to change. Her method is to work with the system that you have. Uh, she doesn't embrace Peggy's role, no. and she doesn't embrace Jane sticking up for herself, or you know, etc. Cetera,
0: etc. Cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, so- Go on. Shall we talk about that scene specifically, the the yeah. confrontation?
1: Sure, sure.
0: Um, there's one thing I want to point out, I want to ask about before we get into it properly. But um, what did you think about what Jane said?
1: About oh, being 20?
0: No, about they made me, I had no choice.
1: Well, I mean, she's using, she's using the charms that she uses on Roger, on Joan, and it doesn't wash with Joan.
0: I don't know. Because I, I initially saw that as, like, a blatant lie, right? It's
1: it like, is a blatant lie.
0: When you th- Is it really, though? Yes, host? it is. Well.
1: She's the one that's, like, let's break into the office.
0: But from the perspective of... From the perspective of... If you think about what Jane actually wants from these guys, right? And you can speculate and we can kind of... You know, I'm, I'm not saying anything concrete here, but... Jane really, what I think Jane wants is to be part of the, she wants to be in the in-crowd and there's only a couple of ways she's going to get into being one of the in-crowd. Actually, the only way she's going to be in is is by showing that she's kind of daring and that she's, she's ready to kind of like do cool things and hang out with them. There's no, like, she's not a dude, so people aren't going to come up to her and just accept her as one of the guys she kind of has to be one of the guys so she had to take that chance so really she didn't have a choice
1: bollocks (laughs)
2: bollocks (laughs) go on
1: there's a difference between i didn't have a choice and they made me as well i just just want to say um that it's a classic it's a childish move. It's a <laughs> mother's caught me. It wasn't my fault. They made me do it. Blah blah blah. Because the thing is, she knows the reason she does that is she knows that Joan can't punish them. Okay. But Joan can punish her.
0: Okay, fair enough. And
1: it's a, it's about power, isn't it? And it is. I don't think Jane sees what's coming. I think she she she. I think Jane wants to be and needs to be. It's not so much about being being in the in crowd I think it's just being popular and okay. being um, you know I think she's just got she just holds that I, I, I would say you know possibly in a few episodes time we might see her emerging as someone who wants to take over from Joan Okay. for sure um,
0: one of the um, a line that I love in that scene is um, actually Joan's response to that and and jones says you're right with your bottle I'm sorry i just keep <laughs> knocking it over with my foot <laughs> jones says um um please they'll do anything you say you work for mr draper and to me that's a really weird line shall i elaborate
1: of
0: course <laughs> so okay and I, and the fact that you don't think it's a weird line no really no I, I don't
1: think it's a weird line
0: that's really interesting because like to me <laughs> to me it's weird that she says because like, the fact that she says please they'll do anything you say you work for Mr. Draper I didn't expect her to say that what I expected her to say is please they'll do anything you say you're smoking hot <laughs> do you see what I mean? yeah so what, the reason I think it's interesting, and it's, I guess it's kind of, it's interesting seeing it from your point of view as well. Cause I think that that's kind of, that's what, that's what the, the, the scene's about. And it's like, and you've kind of alluded to it already. Like the fact that these two are kind of, these two sort of like, let's say alpha female women, very similar women in the way that they affect mm. men, right? They really should, they see the world in a similar way. Is what I'm trying to th- what, what I'm trying to say so when yes so when um, when Joan says that like I said like if it was me or if it was if it was somebody else saying it they'd see it from a very I don't know sexualized point of view or just kind of like you know attribute kind of um, uh, Jane's power to her the way she looks or whatever right um, but because it's Joan saying that, and Joan kind of has the same sort of worldview. the way Jane looks doesn't really factor into it. And it's like the two of them have a very similar look on the world, and really, they should be friends, but for some reason they're not. Okay. And I think that what's happening in the, in this scene? I think you're thinking this along the same lines as me is that Jane Jones come into this kind of, um, into this scene and she's basically said to, she's basically, she's already been knocked back by Paul and now she's come to Jane to say, um, you know, what happened in that thing. And without even without buying an eyelid, Jane has basically locked her up and said, I'm not telling you anything. And started lying from the get go, mm. and because of that, uh, Joan then gets really gets her back up, and before they've even had a chance to to get on with each other, which is kind of what they want, they're at odds with each other. Did you get that?
1: I mean, I, I, like I say, I mean, I I don't have a as uh, what's the word uh, descriptive. <sighs> I think their relationship goes like this. She's a receptionist. Joan is her boss. Right. Now, if you look at the Joan-Peggy relationship, yep. Peggy was going to Joan for advice. She looked up to her. She admired her. Yeah. Jane doesn't really respect Joan. Yeah, and yeah, Joan yeah. knows that Jane doesn't respect Joan. Joan doesn't like that because Joan's whole thing is that she's respected in the office, right? right, right. That's her whole thing. And that's how Joan's head works.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And that's what why what Jane does is so clever because... She says, oh, they'll do anything you say because you work for Mr. Draper. Because everyone knows Mr. Draper is the head honcho. If he says shit, they'll shit, right? But Joan's not afraid of Mr. Draper. However, Joan is a subordinate of Mr. Sterling.
0: Right, okay, okay.
1: So it is that whole thing of it's going above each other's heads. It's that whole thing of cutting out because obviously Jane is unaware of the relationship between Joan and Sterling and Roger. Um, You know, so it is very much the game-playing favourite using the men Mm. in positions of power. Yeah. And I think it's, for me, it's just very interesting because she... Because Jane is fearful of Mr. Draper, Mm -hmm. I would say. right. He has yeah. a figure in her mind to be feared because he's... Uh,
2: yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: They haven't... But we haven't seen them get along it's particularly very, well. very true. He has shown zero interest in her.
0: Um, it's interesting at the end of the, that scene um, because she gets fired and she, the next scene is Don away with his wife. So she even if she wanted to speak to, to Don, she couldn't. And there's a... So, okay, so there's there's loads of stuff in this scene that's kind of, this This scene kind of like um, took up a lot of my time because there's, so you know when I was talking about how the two of them should be getting along but aren't, mm. there's a really interesting um, exchange between the two of them where, um, where, um, uh, Joan tells Jane to get her things get her you know her objects or whatever and um Jane says what like as a question like what and and it kind of comes after um Jane says that she doesn't need a mother and then Joan says what the same question right Mm. and it's like the two of them are trying to speak but they can't hear each other you know from a meta- Meta kind hmm. of point of view, and they're kind of like trying to talk to each other, but they can't hear each other, and that's ultimately where the problem is coming from. It's coming from the fact that, and and afterwards, they also say there's there's other things where, and I don't know if this makes sense, but it's like it's like Jane says, who is it? Is it yeah? Jane says to Joan, "What's wrong with you?" And it's like to me. The two of them are kind of, like I said, they're these kind of um, alpha females in the office. They're kind of like perfect in every way. And I think the two of them are kind of asking each other like, what's wrong with you? What's wrong with you kind of thing? And that's, they're trying to kind of, the point of the the scene is that these two can't get on even though they really want to and they should do because they, they should be able to see each other as sort of allies in this whole thing, but they can't. And that's why it kind of. and, and then, but They're not
1: allies because they're different. They're not allies because one's in her thirties and one's in her twenties. Yeah, 20s. Yeah, totally, yeah, totally. That's why. Yeah. Because and that's natural.
0: Yeah. I I, I get that. I because get...
1: unlike and this is why the whole age before beauty pearls before spine comes in. Because unlike men, where age is more, you become more respected. Yeah. Like the you know, and the young ones are less respected. Whereas with this, Jane.
0: Was t- okay? So yeah, yeah. No, I agree. I I know. I know. Sorry, I I didn't mean to cut you off, but the reason reason I'm saying that is because, you know, I was talking about how, you know, I said that thing about how Lacan says women don't exist.
2: Yeah. Right?
0: Okay, so so that's a problematic statement, I get it. And I think he said that on purpose because he wanted to shock people. But the point, the reason that came up when we were talking about master signifiers, right? And the idea of a master signifier is this thing that everybody looks towards to copy to sort of be like, and then that's how it goes on. And you're right, that's a very male thing. thing is, it doesn't really happen with women. Mm. Women kind of know themselves as a person. So there's no real sort of specific um, archetype of a woman that other women can aspire to because they'll always aspire to what they want to be in yes. their own mind. So that's what he means by, there's no such thing as a woman. So, so, sorry, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. It just kind of fucked into my
1: head. But it's what I'm saying is, is the thing is, Joan Caesar's as age, <clears throat> me cracking my voice, a little crack there. <laughs> um, Joan sees as age before beauty. But she wants to be both. She wants to be the young, hot, single woman. Now she's the older, engaged, she's engaged. still hot woman. She's, she's, but you know, she's losing. She's
0: going through a rough time. She's yeah,
1: engaged. you know, it was like what Roger says that like that's really when he's like, oh, she's going through a lot. She's engaged, or whatever. Like I was like, that's cla- that's amazing. I love that. Um, but you know, and then the pearls before swine thing is, I don't know if you know much about it, but it's that's a Victorian saying. Mm-hmm. And the idea was, it started because a young woman o- held open a door. I can't remember who they are, but okay. you can look it up if you're really interested. Okay. But uh, um, they were famous in some way All right. when Victorians were famous. Okay. Um, so a young woman holds open holds open a door for an older woman and says, Age before beauty as oh. a sign of respect. Oh. Um, and the older woman turns back and says, pearls before swine oh, right. because what well, young women are also presumed to be pearls and swine the it was something to do with like crushing pearls like right. i can't remember like, swine <laughs> crush the crush the pearls but there's like a whole thing about how age and beauty are wrapped together as a in terms of a, a, an objective desire obviously youth and beauty yeah, is yeah, the yeah, ideal yeah, totally. and after you lose one you automatically it's assumed that you lose the other because you're you are you are losing and the thing is as joan is aging Mm. and she's now seeing the next generation come in Mm. and it's it's like normal to be threatened and the thing is what's interesting is 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 jane is probably the first employee that she's has that isn't threatened by her so far we've seen her make women cry we've seen her send them all over the shop we've seen her be really rude to peggy like you know what i mean and Jane is the first woman that's come in, like what those coffee people were saying, with ideas of her own. And
0: just doing her own thing. Yeah. And
1: just doing her own thing. And she's also recognised that Joan does her own thing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And
1: why can't she?
0: Yeah. Certainly. And so
1: I think it's I think it is a really interesting dynamic. <laughs> but then Jane fucking proper little sneaky
2: <laughs> botch
1: as she goes crying to Roger.
0: So can I just say? So when she does that, you know, we're talking about pleasure and how it kind of gets in the way of enjoyment. I, it doesn't really work with this, I guess, because she's not necessarily enjoying leaving the office, but it does. It is a detour for her. She when she's you literally see a walk down the hall and take a detour into. Yeah, cause into, she's into, a sneaky bitch. <laughs> into Roger's office. Um but yeah, I like I like that how that works. Um what did you think about the, the office scene?
1: Oh, what with, with, uh, with Roger? Oh he's awful, isn't it? Oh, <laughs> hell. Um well I mean she goes in, she's all like, I just wanted to say goodbye. Like and she's really secretly sick of But this is the point where you use the thing. The thing that as an object of desire yeah. you can choose to accept the adoration yeah. or you can not want it well
0: earlier in the in the in the show um roger was talking to her at the desk and he's kind of like chatting her up and she says to him you could just find out where i live
1: yeah yeah
0: by just you know literally just going and looking at my file and he goes no i don't want to do that because again i think that's the object i think object of it all he wants the journey no, the chase yeah
1: it's a huge part any man (laughs) will tell you that love a chase um (laughs) But yeah, it's that whole. But for him, it's obviously a power thing as well. Like he comes in, she's again, she's playing the vulnerable, a bit like how she, the the role that she tried to play with Joan. Mm-hmm. She comes in, she's the vulnerable, you know. And and at first he's like, oh well, if Don fired you, you know, he's a tough boss, blah blah blah. Yeah. And then she's like, actually, it was Joan, and he's like, wow. <laughs> you know, she's going through a hard time, blah blah blah. It'll be fine, don't worry. Come in on Monday, I'll talk to her. Blah blah blah. Plan works, brilliant, successful. Like and she, she gives him a little bit of a flirt. She gives him the little coy, turned back and watery smile, doesn't she? <laughs> yeah,
0: she does. Um, did you notice that um, when she left, she gave back the handkerchief?
1: No, I didn't.
0: It's like um, she kind of, like, she so says she cries and sort of like dries her eyes. Then she gives him back the handkerchief and he looks at the handkerchief and keeps it. Very much like, um, very much like, um, what's his name with the, with the lighter.
1: Oh, okay. I mean, it's a bit weird when it's like bodily fluid. Okay, <laughs> fine. I mean, I'm assuming he's gonna wash it, but he might not. Yeah. Um, um,
0: did you did you get the the sadomasochism in there as well?
1: No, I missed that.
0: When when um when Roger said um, she, um, she she needs, she needs to be reprimanded. Um, Jane needs to be um, reprimanded. You're not. Gonna... <laughs> not gonna...
1: I mean, it's light. It
0: is light, but it's definitely. I, mean, that, I that
1: might just be you and your. Don't you <laughs> mind? Um. All right. Listen, I'm gonna have to. gonna have to wrap this up fairly soon, mate. Aww. Um. <laughs> let's see where we're we up to. So uh, the final, final showdown mm. between Joan and Jane we haven't had we haven't discussed which is
0: oh yeah
1: when when jane is like literally looking she sits down at a desk sneakily on the monday morning <laughs> and she's like have i been spotted i've been spotted and of course joan do you see us scan the office like i love that that was such a good like she were like J- where's joan joan's gonna be there and then she's as soon as she spots us, she's she's doing a sachet over she, oh and you God. know it's going what down <laughs> um before
0: before that happens though um we see um Ken and Jane walk into the office, and Ken's sort of trying to chat up Jane, and he says, "I've got tickets to the Mets."
1: Oh yeah, I've got rubbish tickets, isn't it? Rubbish yeah. tickets
0: to the Mets. Yeah. The weird thing about, that the, to add to the, the fact that they're the rubbish tickets to the Mets, apparently during that year the Mets kind of like went on one of the worst winning streaks of all. Like they they were the ultimate losers. Apparently. Oh no. And I think that kind of reflects on the two characters. So I think. I think the idea is that Ken and um, Jane are supposed to be these objects of desire in the office, right? They're supposed to be the young, pretty things that everybody wants to get hold of.
1: Yeah, you'd think they'd make a pretty good couple, wouldn't you?
0: Yeah, you would. But then um, the, um, but the, f- the true fact of the, r- the matter is, you know, Ken is alone and has nobody and wants to be in a relationship but is isn't. And obviously you've got Jane who's sitting there who's like terrified for her job now. Um, I like the way the scene ends as well, because like obviously um, Jane's sort of still looking around, is still terrified. And to me, it's like it's it, it's more on this kind of enjoyment sort of thing. This, this, she's not going to enjoy her job now because she's always going to be looking over her shoulder because of because of Joan. And yeah, she's really fucked up that situation. Mm. Yeah, I really like that.
1: <laughs> yeah, has to be said. You shouldn't mess with the Joan
0: should we talk about the picture right
1: i think right so that's that that concludes the storylines but yeah i think possibly the most important scene
0: i love this scene
1: i loved it as well actually i did i thought it was great um and i think it really sums up the episode quite nicely it's
0: so good because you've got okay so the reason i want to talk about it really is because i don't Mm -hmm. know if i want to talk about in terms of the actual episode but just in terms of... Well, first of all, do you know that... There's two things, actually. Do you know that that Rothko that's in the office isn't a real Rothko and doesn't exist?
1: I mean, no, I, I didn't research into it that
0: much. <laughs> um, the reason I mentioned that is because the one of the reasons this whole thing between Sal and Ken kicks off is because um, Ken mentions a line from... Um, What's that play? South side, West Side. West Side Story. West Side Story. Yeah. Um, um, Ken mentions the line from West Side Story, Um, and when he says it, um, Sal looks at him and he's kind of like, "Oh." Um, But what what's really funny is that line is not in West Side Story, and it doesn't. It's not there at all. Mm. There's loads of things in this episode where characters get an idea. It's not necessarily 100% correct, but even though it's not 100% correct, it still spurs them in a direction to do something. It's still so basically what we're doing right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah <laughs> totally, totally, that's what I'm saying. So like, and that's the reason why I bring it up in terms of this picture, despite the fact that it doesn't exist, is the fact that, you know, the way Ken's looking at it, it's like you can't have a right understanding of it. There's no right answer. It's just it's the whole point of it is it's supposed to make you feel and by making you feel it motivates you to do something with your life yeah and that's kind of the whole point of the whole show basically is it kind of you know you can sit here and talk about it for let's just see how long have we been here i'm
1: gonna say (laughs) an hour and a half
0: um an hour and 45 minutes. Oh, um, you can You can sit here and talk about it for an hour and 45 minutes and it can kind of... And then you've got like a whole, you know, series of podcasts that kind of give you a talk... Uh, uh, just, you know, the podcasts are there and they kind of exist, but what the real cool part is like sitting here and talking about it and sort of like, you know, discussing it. what well, I think it is.
1: Anyway. Wouldn't it be great if, you know, on his deathbed or whatever, I'll make Matt, <laughs> Matt Weiner... Yeah. It was like, didn't mean anything, just did it for the money. Can you imagine? Like, bloody love that.
0: I did all that stuff that they pulled out of me. What the fuck? I know, (laughs) but sometimes you wonder though, right? Yeah, totally. I always think that. But that's the thing. I think, um, because what we're talking about is like validation. And like, I don't think you'll ever... Because I think... Matthew Weiner and David Chase with Sopranos, they're really, really, really kind of not ultra secretive, but they never kind of confirm anything that anybody thinks about the show. They'll tell you what they think about the show, but they'll never confirm, oh, yeah, that's what we were aiming for or anything like that. Because I I think the whole point and what makes this show work, uh, what makes both shows work, is there is no validation on any of it. Like surprise. That's the same with all art though. I mean yeah, that's that's, that's also, just so.
1: art as a yeah. thing. Like the whole reason people go to galleries to see paintings is to discuss discuss them. And what looks like a splodge on a white canvas to one person yeah. can like a pool to another can yeah. look like, you know, simplicity and they, they you know, they come up with, you know, neoclassicism and renaissance <laughs> and all those <laughs> terms to go with them that describe a certain thing. But really it could be Maybe Suzanne just liked to paint flowers. Do you know what I mean? It's like, I think it's such a, it's like anything, it's it's all talking points and that's exactly what this show is the same way that's what a piece of artwork in a gallery is. And really it's irrelevant how masterful or how
0: simple. Or even what something it what is what the right answer is or, yeah or, or it doesn't matter I, I it's one of the things i worry about when we talk about a show is like I, when i spend so much time on them because like, I, I know i'm not watching it the way it's intended the way it's intended is you're supposed to just sit there soak it in enjoy it and talk about
1: it mean, I like i say it's it's like anything really it's like you know the ending of lost or whatever like people are <laughs> people are gonna have an opinion and it's so, like, I mean, we were talking about a video game before we started talking about this. It's like your interpretation of it was totally different from my interpretation of it. And it's kind of like, you know, I think that's that's the great thing about this and one of the reasons why it works. And you can just watch it, probably what I do more of than you, but it's just watch it as something to watch. And, you know, mull, I mull over a few points, but I probably wouldn't think about it this deep if it wasn't for this podcast. <laughs> I would probably just watch it and like go and finish my washing or whatever. But
2: yeah.
0: Like you're supposed to. Yeah. Anyway, um, we didn't... There's one more thing that we didn't talk about. We didn't
1: talk about Cooper.
0: We didn't talk... Oh, we didn't talk about Cooper, did we? And, and
1: then that, that... I thought that's the team we were going to talk about before. That's... It's probably one of my favourite scenes because... Oh, yeah, let's talk about What it. I like, and we will talk about it, we will have to be fairly fast, though. Okay. Um, but I do... I love this scene because... Cooper... Yeah. remains and has always been a bit of a mystery <laughs> and i really like his character because he is even that bit when he was having the conversation with don and he was like i think would you say i i know you little enough yeah or something we, to say bro you know blah,
0: blah. I, I know a bit about you don. yeah yeah yeah
1: and don's like a little and it's like that's all he needs and with cooper that's pretty much him as well i mean you kind of what i was trying to think what do i know about him no he likes japanese shit yeah. no he likes Yeah. rand
0: yeah
2: <laughs> <You> no <know, yeah. laughs>
1: he doesn't like people wearing his shoes in his office yeah. to the point where they even when he's not there they still take off their shoes <laughs> to go in so he commands a lot of respect we don't know much about i mean i don't know you know i don't think we've seen his wife if he has a wife
0: nope we haven't seen his wife
1: um don't know if he has any kids not sure
0: we know i don't know um
1: but you know these are all things so it's really interesting when harry goes in for his meeting mm-hmm. and he's like so sure it's gonna be at this painting and it's not he just wants to go through <laughs> his like little report or whatever and then harry he, says he doesn't to him, even
0: like when he goes into the office he doesn't even um look at him he just he's just he's
1: yeah. his head down yeah But Sorry. he's looking at the painting and he's like oh you need to focus on this um Oh, And because he's, he's like oh I'm hypnotised by the painting or whatever and then he's like what do you think of the painting yeah, to Cooper
0: yeah. he, I love that because like I said that's such a smart thing to do he, and like and yeah
1: but I don't think he wants to know because he genuinely cares what he thinks about the painting
0: no he just wants to have a conversation about it
1: no I think it's he just wants to get that out of the way because he thinks that's an important thing to Cooper <laughs> He thinks he's bought this impressive work of art for like $10,000 or however much it was. Yeah. And, you know, he's like, what is it about this thing? It's like this painting is the object of desire, but no one knows why. Yeah. It's because it's not age. It's not beauty. It's not any of those things. Like, why is what makes this so important?
0: And to Cooper, it's just the fact it's going to make twice as.
1: And that's what's interesting, because when you think of someone who buys art, you generally think of someone who mm-hmm. buys art because they want to put it on their wall yeah, yeah, and yeah. display it and enjoy it.
0: But that's, but I think the way he says that as well, the way he says it's going to double its, its uh, value, he says it with a smile on his face. Yeah. He enjoys doing it. Exactly. It's an enjoyable thing. But that's there.
1: the thing, is the pleasure isn't about, or the enjoyment, whatever you want to call it, mm-hmm. isn't about the art it's about the price yeah, it's about,
0: yeah exactly for him yeah it's totally about the price and
1: that's what's interesting because everyone's trying to work out it's like you know everyone's trying to work out what it is about this this visual thing that they can see yeah but actually it's about the thing that you can't see yeah, yeah, which is what object. it's worth ah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah Totally. so there we go that's that's my <laughs> taking i mean I, was just, I just really enjoyed that scene i really liked really liked uh, seeing cooper in action
0: there's one other thing I just want to say there's a really clever part of that scene is um, because they're talking about um, Harry well well Harry's talking about he's trying to talk about the picture and uh, Cooper tells him um, you're here because of numbers stick to that don't concern yourself with aesthetics you'll get a headache (laughs) and that to me again it's it's ties straight into this whole thing of um, pleasure and and enjoyment, and I don't know. You could you could take that first part of of the thing about numbers. You could take that as like um, Harry being you know a middle class white man, and he's just there because of the numbers. Um, and and Cooper tells him to stick to that. But the second part, don't concern yourself with aesthetics. It's kind of like don't concern yourself with like you know aesthetics, a a, a, a pleasurable aesthetic, something that's kind of pretty to look at don't concern yourself with pleasure because you'll get a headache and I took the headache thing as being like a hangover mm. or a sort do you know what I mean something like sort of, some sort of pleasurable thing that just kind of makes you feel bad in the morning so I, I just like that I just thought it was really clever um, yeah there's loads of stuff that we could I love. I wish that we could I wish I was better at writing stuff and writing notes so I could be a bit more concise and talk about things in a, in a much it's more fine. concise way because you know. I miss out so much stuff um, I never get to write it down
1: well you know we'll let you know when Fola's bringing out his um, 12
0: I'd love to do one
1: <laughs> it'll be a trilogy won't it at least Enjoy. a trilogy about Mad Men
0: <laughs> um, shall we we just one more question
1: what one more do you mean one more scene
0: one more question that you asked
1: oh yeah where the fuck is Pete <laughs> seriously missing Pete like, I've gone from like the biggest Pete hater it's like, I love him, I miss him, <laughs> where is he? <laughs> Bring him back!
0: Yeah, I'm sure I'll be back next
1: uh, I hope next so, because we, I mean, we did, we saw a little bit of Peg, we saw a little bit yeah, of Peggy, yeah, yeah. I and mean, she was there in she the background, but he yeah. wasn't even in the background, <laughs> you know, and you're like, where's he gone, has he gone on holiday? Like, mm.
0: I like the fact that Peggy was only there to be kind of the insider when it comes to Don out of all those people, because they all ask her about Don and how he feels about these things, and... Yeah, that's cool. We didn't talk about the meeting. We didn't talk about the pitch meeting. We didn't meeting.
1: talk about that. And I do I do think, I think you've we've touched upon, I mean, there's a thing in there about age for sure, isn't there? Oh, like, yeah, That's definitely. like a massive thing. But, yeah. you know, we did touch upon what the, the guys were saying with their concepts yeah. and how that translates.
0: The only thing I'll say about that meeting, that they have the pitch meeting, that I found really funny and really kind of subversive, is the whole way through it they're talking about you know how kids want to do the right thing and how kids are kind of you know i think the whole point of the the scene is basically those kids are saying we don't want to be like you because you're old and you're you know you've built yourself up on this whole kind of um on the backs of other people and you know we're not like you we're kind of we think about other people we think about race harmony and all this kind of stuff and then they appropriate a song from the I islands.
1: know, oh my God. I was like, I thought that was really weird, actually. When I listened to it, I was like, that's what they came up with. That's really odd. Like, why would you say all that stuff? I thought what they were going to do like, because... Obviously, Sal says the thing about like, no art or whatever. Yeah. I thought they were going to do some like something with like, a blank page or whatever. Do you know what I mean? Just <laughs> yeah. something really quirky. But no, like some weird song about like, some girl in Mexico or they whatever just
0: it was. Re- They just rip off uh, another culture song type of music. Yeah. Terrible. But horrible. Yeah, anyway. Awful. <laughs> That's middle caskets for you. Um, right, so um, anyway. You're supposed to do this part, not me.
1: All right. Well, there's only one thing left to say.
0: Uh, don't forget, everyone. Soprano's is even better. Someone tweeted that to me the other day, and
1: I was like, so happy. I know, and, I, and do you know what? I'm just thinking Matthew Weiner probably doesn't listen to us because you say that. On the <laughs> no, but he worked on Sopranos Oh, did he? Yeah. Okay, sorry, Matthew.
2: <laughs> All right, that's it then. See you next week, folks. Bye, everyone.